podcast broadcasting to Harry Potter fans around the world for more than 11 years. Join Terence Pinkston, Bailey Riddle, Luke Hogan, Gretchen Rush, and Alex Lohman as they take the wizarding world by storm. This is Hogwarts Radio. Stay classy, Hogwarts. This is Hogwarts Radio, episode 255 for October 27th, 2019. Hogwarts Radio is the official podcast for wizarding news from HPANA, discussing all things Harry Potter, Fantastic Beasts, and the rest of the wizarding world. Catch up with previous episodes of the podcast at hogwartsradio.com. Welcome to episode 255 of Hogwarts Radio. I'm Terrence Pinkston. I'm Luke Hogan. And I'm Tyler Starr. Hogwarts Radio can be found anywhere you get your podcasts online. It doesn't matter where you listen, just be sure to click subscribe and you'll have a new episode as soon as it's released. Follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to get in on the fun with other listeners and fans of the series. Join the Unfoundables, an exclusive companion to the podcast. Get Unfound today at patreon.com slash unfoundables. Well, guys, we're back in the studio. It's a wonderful fall, crisp fall day to be here recording and talking about some Harry Potter discussion. And it's an all-boys show today. Cheers, fellas. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, We're fresh off our LeakyCon experience and... Well, first and foremost, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But Tyler, it is so wonderful to have you back on the show. How you been? Terrence, my dude, I have got to say I've missed this so much. Uh, and I'm very excited to be back. I'll, I'll say that. I've been keeping up with all of the episodes and you guys sound fantastic. There are so many times where I'm like listening to Hogwarts Radio in my car and I'm just screaming at the top of my lungs trying to get my own thoughts out there so bravo <laughs> wonderful <laughs> i i'm glad we didn't scare you away that's that's uh that's great uh speaking of scaring people away luke what the hell are you wearing well since uh our, our good friend tyler couldn't be there at league i decided to while we're recording wear wear my dragon my dragon conning um your dragon onesie. Get up, my dragon onesie. <laughs> yeah, Bailey and I. If if anyone was there at LeakyCon, probably saw us walking around in our matching red Chinese fireball dragon onesies. Uh, we wore them at uh, Ice or at Con of Thrones in Nashville as well. It's pretty convenient having a costume that works for both Game of Thrones and for Harry Potter. So it's also something you can fall asleep when you're really drunk and it's like you're wearing a cover. So it sounds like I could have used that. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) well, anyway, anyway, is there a hatch in the back, you know, in case you have to. Uh, No, there's (laughs) no. Okay. There's not actually. Oh, yeah. It, it probably could use that. I did a little bit of uh, customizing while there to cut out the pockets. So I have pass through pockets instead of little itty bitty fake dragon pockets because, you know, real pockets are more important. That's cool. Ain't that the truth. You know, it was so easy to find you guys whenever you were wearing them, you know, because me and my wife and and Gretchen and Sydney, we were all walking around, you know, the vendor room and we're like, oh, God, where did Luke and, and Bailey go? And we're like, oh, just look for oh, the dragon. Right next to those dragons. Oh, wait, right. they are the dragons. They are the you dragons. Can see them across right? the room. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, Chinese fireballs. <laughs> be, beware. Jeez. <laughs> you know, and the funny yeah. thing is, because like uh, the next day, and we're trying to find you guys, and we're like, well, 
We can't find them now. They're not wearing the dragon outfits. <laughs> They're wearing muggle clothes again. Uh, darn it. Twitters. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to say there may be an additional thing added for uh, LeakyCon in Orlando, but there might be. We'll see. Maybe Ooh. we'll do multiple days of yeah. multiple types of dragon. I don't know. It, a lot, of, a lot of time to figure some things we'll, out. I'll we'll just de- say that. We'll definitely have okay. to brainstorm on that because we might have to come up with a group thing. <laughs> I was going to say, if you're going to wear that in Orlando, be sure to cut like them into like jean shorts or something, right? Because, my God, I imagine it's going to be very humid in there. I will say, so Nashville in July was pretty warm. I'll tell you that much. It was, it was a hot day. It was uh, what you might expect, and it was, it was rough. And it was also... <laughs> The day, the day that I had a panel going as well, and I did the whole panel, and I hung around in it for a little while. And inside baseball, the guys and I were talking about this a little bit beforehand. Of like, oh, like how do you how do you live in that? And I said, I'm the kind of guy that like at 4 a.m. after the wedding is still fully buttoned up in my tux, tie still done. I hate myself. But that's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> at 4 a.m., I'm just trying to find my shoes at that point. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so we'll we'll see. I, maybe there's a, a less Arctic version that we could go with if, if multiple people are going. Because that was another theme going on in Boston, which was it was a chilly weekend. There was a, it really a tropical, was, yeah. cold, tropical storm going. It was very, very windy. And uh, I'll tell you that uh, my, my friends from San Antonio and L.A. were complaining on how cold it was well, I, the whole time. Yeah, well, yeah, no. I was walking around in shorts the whole time. Oh, jeez. Uh, well, you know, I mean, for us, like 50 degrees is like the coldest we see all year. I and know. I mean, as I, I was telling people all weekend, <laughs> like that was like we OK, in Texas, we get two seasons. We get summer and summer light. And that's oh, like sure. summer light. I mean, that is Just like, like your beers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is it, it, compared to, to, to Texas weather. That's like the coldest we get all year. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. See, it's weird being back in Colorado because we actually have seasons here uh, rather than in L.A. where it was like it was very much like it's hot. It's a little less hot. And, you know, (laughs) it's like, oh, God. And now that I'm back here, I'm like, I feel like such a wuss because I'm walking around. I'm like, oh, it's so cold. And it's like it's like 69 degrees, (laughs) you know, I'm like, brr. Well, that's it was was just kind of funny because Terrence and his wife and Bailey and I got there on the Thursday. So we had a whole day to hang out. And walk around. We walked around Harvard. I think we chatted about this last episode a little bit, but I was the only one that was not freezing, right? I was I was perfectly happy with it being mid-50s, whatever. And I just knew that the other people joining us were from essentially New York and North Buffalo, Dakota. Like yeah. Syracuse, New York, and North Dakota, where it literally snowed three feet immediately after she left to get to us. So I was like, well, at least I've got some not being cold backup coming. <laughs> there you <Yeah>. go. <laughs> Reinforcements are on the way. It was. I felt confident. <laughs> but you know, without that cold, we wouldn't have smelled the garlic communion wafers, Luke. Oh, don't get me those garlic <laughs> communion wafers again. That was, what a treat. What a what a treat. That was uh, that was fantastic. Tyler wasn't there comes, for that. When but, it comes to your uh, eternal salvation, you deserve the best. Mm-hmm. Ask for Nabisco. Ask for the host <laughs> with the most garlic communion wafers. Uh, uh, that's how I want to eat Jesus. Garlic flavored. Mm, I love my cannibalism. <laughs> garlic and Parmesan flavored. 
Oh my goodness! Yeah, it was a it was a great time in Boston. Um, we had so much fun. It was like it was the first time that we were all meeting each other in person. Uh, you know, this group of hosts. I think we we become very very close um, and very good friends. Um, Luke, as your first Potter convention goes, what did you think? What were some of your major takeaways? Yeah. Um. So I've I've done. I'll say multiple Game of Thrones conventions, right? And um, I've been a Harry Potter fan a lot longer. So it was always kind of like I didn't know where the differences would really lie. And I was truly, truly blown away with how kind everyone was. Just the theme of inclusiveness, the theme of be yourself, the theme of no one's here to compete about anything. It's just for the love of the stories and the characters and like that it, this Harry Potter has been my first love of all stories since I can remember. Right. I mean, it, I was there early, early on in, in when the books coming out and it was, it was more than I thought it could be. It was way more special than I anticipated going into it. And I'm very excited. I, instantly while we were there, I was already planning on what we're going to do for Orlando coming up, right? I, I don't have that same kind of thing for the Game of Thrones conventions. It just feels very much like, okay, we survived. Let's maybe think about if we're going next year or not. And this is, no, there's no doubt we're, we're going, and I'm more motivated to talk about Harry Potter stuff afterwards than I thought was possible. Like, I, we came out of it with some new great relationships the switch and flick girls i mean come on they were freaking awesome i mean so many mm -hmm. so many great great people meeting potter puppet pals I mean, that's something that i've i i didn't, I didn't think it was gonna beat neil like that was awesome like all of these individual things and i just couldn't have had a better time unless tyler was there that's the only thing possible <laughs> that could have made it better oh orlando 2020 baby I know I'm ready for it and I'm planning <laughs> for it. And that's my point. Like I I'm, I'm very, very excited um, to one collect more ribbons. Right. I mean, look at these things. Oh, these yeah. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, the pins and just the vendors, like the vendors there aren't there as people selling their stuff. They're selling their craft. These are people that love what they do. They're there because they're fans. And you get that at other cons too. Like, there's no doubt. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to diss on other other cons at all. But there was a certain level of almost every vendor booth that was there was as much or more of a fan than I think anyone that's been on any Harry Potter podcast, which I was not expecting at all. Sure. As, as somebody, Luke, who's kind of an influencer in both of these spaces, you know, Game of Thrones and Harry Potter, um, which would you say you have a more affinity for in terms of like the, the fandom? Is yeah. there one that kind of over? Yeah, is there, uh, I don't know, yeah, one, is there one that you polarize, uh, like mm -hmm. more polarizing than, than others? Yeah. So it, for me personally, I, so getting down to the core of it, right? I started a podcast company because I get passionate about multiple things, right? I, I'm very much a, I get very passionate about Pokemon or Game of Thrones or Dragon Ball Z or 
starting a business, like just the idea of that or homebrewing. I get, I'm a very passionate person. I Taylor, Tyler, sorry. I don't, I work with somebody named Taylor and he gets mad when you call him Tyler. It's throwing me off. I very much apologize. <laughs> no, it's fine. And um, I'm very much somebody that is passionate about the things that I love. And you brought up that you have an addictive personality to things that you love. And I'm very much the same way, which is why we're awesome friends. And because of that, I hyper compartmentalize because I, I appreciate the crossovers and things. But to me, that's why I didn't start just a fantasy story podcasting company. I started a Harry Potter podcasting company. Or I started a Harry Potter podcast and a Game of Thrones podcast and a Stephen King podcast because I very much separate them out. So to answer or to not answer your question, really, of which one do I enjoy more? I, I enjoy them both incredibly well for their own reasons, but those reasons are very different. And the inclusion side in the Harry Potter side, that that's really what I was not anticipating. Like the welcoming, welcoming you home, right? That is very true to the Harry Potter side of the, the fandom game of Thrones, a song of ice and fire. It's very inclusionary, but it's also, it can be quite, click ish right like oh we're on the youtube side oh we're on the podcast side hey we appreciate this theory well we have no time for that garbage so we're only over here and there's there's a lot more and that may be because there's a lot more uh, animosity i think subtextually but i think that might be partly because the stories aren't finished and there's still some things up in the air and I'll say this on my own opinion, the TV show in general was much better than the Harry Potter movies were related to the books. Nice. For I, I don't know if that makes sense, but to me the for for the overall themes, the TV show for Game of Thrones stood truer to the A Song of Ice and Fire books than the Harry Potter books did for the Harry Potter movies but that may be because the movies stayed just close enough for harry potter that there really wasn't like a oh i like this and you like this it was more of they were more along the same lines as opposed to there was some, i don't know there was some more diversity on the game of thrones side. i'm rambling i realize that i apologize but <laughs> it, i didn't expect that big of a question this early in the show terrence <laughs> well i i mean you know it's leaky con in itself is i mean it's it's something that you can't just answer a question about in, in a couple of sentences. You it need really to just isn't. go. If you haven't gone, just go. Yeah. We'll give you a hug. I mean, for me... It's so much fun. For me, it's a sense of family. You know, I've been going to convention, to Harry Potter conventions for more than 10 years, and I can't even begin to begin to describe how close I feel to everyone, regardless if you haven't spoken in years or you just met each other. You know, you seem to pick up right where you left off. Um it's kind of like, I mean, I don't want to use this reference, but it's kind of like welcoming death as an old friend, you know? It's, uh, uh, but Leaky Con is not death at, at, at all. Yeah. Leaky Flu is death. Yeah, absolutely. Leaky happy Flu. Death. It's a good, Aww. happy death. That's how I describe yeah. my aesthetic is happy death. 
You know, I think that's why we get along. <laughs> my, my black heart is growing uh, like 0.5 sizes. Yeah, same. Um, but for me, I mean, it's it's really connecting with people there as well. I mean, Luke, I mean, I'm sure you can attest to this and Tyler in your own way as well. Like whenever we were passing out ribbons and telling us, you know, and telling people, hey, you know, catch our podcast, the, you know, the podcast that must not be named in Hogwarts Radio. And, you know, if they recognized one of those names, they're like, oh, my God, I've heard of this. Yeah. Or, I was oh. like, you're a goddamn liar. <laughs> but they weren't. Yep. They were not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt the exact same way at LeakyCon Dallas last year when the Protego Foundation had our booth, our first ever like event presence. And people would come up to us and be like, oh, my God. I've been following you guys since you were the Whooper Foundation. And I was just like, okay, who paid you to come say this? Right. right. Uh, good joke. But they were so serious. And we got that so many times. And it, it almost made me cry a couple times because I was like, oh, my God. People actually follow this thing that we're doing. That's yeah. rad. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It gives you... I don't know. It kind of puts it all into perspective, what you're doing. Because, honestly, we don't record these shows just to get listeners. No, we record it because we're passionate about our craft. Um, you know, regardless if Luke, as you were saying, the vendors in the vendor room, you know, they're passionate about what they're doing. We're really passionate about what we're doing. That's why we've been doing it so long. <laughs> um, I don't and that's, think you could possibly podcast for something this long without truly meaning it. Right. I mean, right. You would end up hating yourself and that would show in the recording. Like it, it's one of those, like, if you talk to somebody on the phone, you can tell if they're happy or not, right? Like, you can just tell by listening. Like, if you smile, that happiness, if you force yourself to smile, you end up feeling better about it at the end of it, and people can hear that in your voice. Yeah. I'm scowling right now, and you all hear it, but I love you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a scowling smile. Yeah. Um, See uh, this convention. I mean, even though it it, it does feel like you're you're around family and and things like that, it feels intimate. Uh, you're very close with everybody there, regardless if you just met them or not. But for me, it it felt different, and and I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a bad different. It was just a kind of figure uh, like figuring out what the next phase is, what the next step is. If you went to some of the panels that I went to, a lot of my questions in particular surrounded around fatigue um, and Potter fatigue. And we were talking about this before the show, but I think it's a great discussion to have now, is that is it possible for you to get too much of the Potter community? Is it too much to... Con is it, are you consuming too much at too fast of a rate to where it's... You, you still love it, but it's fatiguing you. You can't stand like either the politics of it or you can't stand certain aspects of it. Is it possible to get to that point? And what do you do whenever you reach that point? And you don't want to disconnect entirely from something that you love. So I want to ask Tyler, because Tyler, you went on this this kind of cleanse this summer and and you do mm -hmm. it you do it almost every year. Um, and how does it make you feel? Like, what do you, what do you take away from doing something like that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I I started doing this this Harry Potter cleanse 
about five years ago. I think this year was the first time that I'd, I'd ever done it or uh, was the fifth year that I'd, I'd done it. Um, you know, and it, it all kind of came about because there was a lot of stuff going on with, you know, Fantastic Beasts being released. And, you know, all my life, I've only ever had Harry Potter as my main my main fandom, right? My main form of entertainment, everything. Um, but that at the same time, I have a very obsessive personality to the point where uh, I started, I mean, I've, I've written a little bit about this. It's not something that I talk about often, but you know, when I was in college, I would start skipping classes just so I could continue to reread the Harry Potter series. And it, it became so much that I started to feel like I was turning other people away from Harry Potter just because of how obsessive and um, just how much I needed to consume every little bit. I started memorizing the smallest, most minute details just to have a little bit more knowledge about the wizarding world. And it didn't, it didn't feel healthy. And that all kind of culminated with the, the whole point of Warner brothers starting to, take control of the Harry Potter franchise in a way that I started to feel was disingenuous. Uh, and so because I was so engulfed and so obsessed with this entire concept, this entire form of media, uh, it started to really stress me out and started to really wear on me emotionally, uh, physically. Uh, and some of my relationships even started to suffer because I was just so, so obsessed with, all of this and so upset that somebody was ruining something that I love so much. So I started to take, you know, a few months to just unplug from everything Harry Potter. I stopped listening. I stopped reading. Uh, I put away all my Harry Potter clothes so I wouldn't wear any Harry Potter specific merchandise. Uh, All of this stuff just to really step back and just remind myself why I loved something so much that I did. You know, there, I, there's a saying, but I, I completely forget what it is, but your time or something makes the heart grow stronger or something like that, you know, distance yeah. makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah. There you go. The, the more that I like pushed it away, eventually the more I was like, no, no, I really wish that I could have this right now to, you know, maybe I had a stressful day at work and I just wanted to unwind. I started, I would start to find myself craving more and more Harry Potter. Whereas, you know, during the stressful times, I would be like, mm, that's the last thing that I want to want to think about right now. So I, I ultimately stop the cleanse when I truly feel in here that I'm missing a part of me. And that's when I'm like, okay, I have been detoxed. Let's dive back in. I think that's incredibly important for honestly anyone to do. And I I know I kind of already touched on this, but that's, I do micro things like that all the time. I, I hyper focus my, where I'm at on what I'm working on to get away. Right. And that's, I don't know if it's lucky or cursed with being able to change gears so hard. Sometimes it's detrimental. Sometimes it's, wow, hopefully everyone can keep up because I am hyper motivated to work on this one thing right now. And it can be a lot sometimes. And like, I apologize if you're on the wrong side of, Hey, we're doing this and you're involved. Keep, keep up with me uh, because I like to do that, but it allows me to, 
cleanse. I haven't thought about it that way. I, I always thought of it as like switching gears, but like it allows me to just to step away from these things and getting mired in the muck of the the less fun parts of some of the things that we love and everything we love isn't perfect. Nothing is perfect. Right. So there are dirty parts, the things that we love and that can wear on you. That grime can build up over time. And if you don't let it, you know, clean off every once in a while, yeah, it's going to add up and make you resentful almost of the things that you love, which, because that's the closest to emotions, right? Hate and love. It's, it's very powerful. And how many things did you grow up, you know, that you loved that you then was like, Oh, well, that's not cool. And now I hate it. Like it, it's not too far of a difference. And for things that are truly, truly important to you, you kind of have to nurture that and treat your love of that thing. Well, so it doesn't become toxic on yourself is, is kind of how I view it myself. It, maybe too philosophical or, you know, whatever, but I think it's important to step away and give yourself the time to become repassionized about the thing. Because like you said, the distance, the time, it, it makes a big, it makes a big change for how you approach that thing. So longtime listeners of our podcast might know that we've taken a couple of breaks over the years. Um, notably, we took a year and a half off. Um, and that was, I mean, that was due to a lot of factors, real life factors, but that was due to maybe like uh, in in my part, you know, just really not being that engaged as I should uh, with the fan community and with the series. I still loved it. I still loved what I did, but I had to force myself to step away because I was too involved and I was too consumed to the point where I felt like I was, I was, it, it Overall, it had consumed me, and and you know, listeners, uh, you know, recent listeners might know that we took the summer off, and we needed that. We needed the summer break, not because we didn't feel like recording, but because we needed to kind of step back, take a break, take a breath, and then just kind of dive back into it, which is what we're doing now. Um, and it's you know, it's it's something that's completely normal that you can expect from the show going forward and we'll do our best to announce that whenever that happens. But, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's healthy because now I'm, I'm, I'm re re energized and I'm like, okay, let's do this. You know, let's jump on, let's talk about, you know, Harry Potter. Let's discuss all these theories that we've come up with. And I attribute a lot of that to leaky con, um, you know, to, to kind of recharging my batteries, um, really, um, in a lot of cases, I feel like, oh my God, this is a lot. This is too much. Especially whenever I see other people kind of moving at a faster pace than we are. But it's not a race, you know. There's no finish line to to the end of this thing. There's there's nothing that we have to compete for. We're just talking about our love for the series and theorizing and things like that. I mean, that's that's ultimately what it comes down to. Can I can I admit something real quick? Sure. In in kind of that vein, I went into this leaky con knowing knowing that I was going to meet Eric Skull. <laughs> and I was I was going to make him a rival. I was I was not going to be a fan. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. I was going to say, "Why are you so perfect? Uh-huh. I'm not buying it." Yep. Like, good grief. I love that guy. I know. I do too. He's such a good guy. And that's where it's like, again, it's not a competition. 
I really was I was joking to myself that oh like oh it's more like that there is a little bit of envy here and there between different things like why is this so successful and something else might not be but at the end of the day I'm rooting for everybody like truly 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 I I'm and it's even cooler that he was just as fucking cool as you might think he would be yeah and I, I fell in love with the guy. I was flirting with him the whole time. As oh. much as I'd be flirting with you, Tyler. <laughs> oh. I promise you. I'm trying uh. not to take that personally, but I do understand because the first time I ever met Eric, he was in full Gilderoy Lockhart cosplay. And as as past listeners, I think, of Hogwarts Radio may remember, uh, Gilderoy Lockhart is in my top five favorite characters. So, of course, I was like, Eric's skull is Gilderoy Lockhart? Swoon. <laughs> They need to make a pop Funko of Eric in Gilderoy cosplay. That's just yes, please. Yeah, I buy it. I will say there were there were several Smarmy Lukehart sightings at LeakyCon. Yes, there so were. If, yeah, if you don't follow Smarmy Lukehart on on Instagram, uh, you you may have missed out. <laughs> yeah, and uh, kind of going back to the cleanse that I do. Uh, I find that what triggers the point that I know I need to start planning my cleanse is the more angry I get when I see the TMs next to various Harry Potter trademarks or words or whatever. So, you know, where I'm like, okay, this wouldn't bother me. I'm not bothered. I'm a little bothered. Why am I so upset? Now it's time to leave. I should be upset about this. Yeah, I need to. I'm I'm having a problem. Well, see, that's, that's exactly what I do. I think that's the biggest problem I've had over the, you know, over the past maybe year or so since the global brand ve- development team has really strengthened its grip on the franchise, on the capitalist nature of the franchise. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're starting to make, you know, they're starting to they tighten the reins and say, you know what, we can start making money on this. We can start making money on this. We can start making money on this. And what irritates me the most is that. They know that people are going to do it. They know that yep. people are so passionate about the series and about this brand that people will literally hand over every penny in their pocket if it's going to get them more of what they want, more content, more exclusivity. Yep. I mean, the, I think the last episode that I was on uh, for Hogwarts Radio was when we were talking about you know, Wizarding World Gold before it had even been formally fleshed out or even announced. Uh, And I talked some mad smack about it. But guess what I still did? I still signed up for it because I'm exactly like that. You know, I am that person that's like, hey, I recognize that this sucks. I recognize that every time I go to Universal, you know, studios and I buy this random water bottle that just has a slapped on you know logo or something i know that i'm contributing to that and it blows huge huge chunks but i still do it and it's because i just love this series so much and i do want to see more and i think that it's that uh obsessive personality that i have that constantly makes me afraid of being left out of the no for what's about to happen that fomo is real my friend right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. can i say that was another big reason why i was so interested in the vendors was because that was not what was going on there right it was fundamentally people that appreciated it and i love supporting that side of it right these are the people that are even if they're skirting some of those those lines right um i mean you get things like this right 
You get the yes. upside down. You get the oh my god, the cauldron <laughs> bottom thickness mm-hmm. report. You get things like, so amazing like this. Hold it's on. a good read. Give me a second. It's solid. It's really solid. And yeah, you get things like this. The Jamie twins. Some oh of the most god. incredible artwork I've ever seen. Where did they? Oh, yeah, check I them out. J A J A Y M E twins. Google them. Some of the most incredible artwork I've ever seen. Yeah. And the, truly, like they did an awesome, awesome. Uh, like they made a bunch of photographs, right? And there was a pack of six that you could buy that were, get this, Colin Creevy's photographs from his first year. No. So, yeah. No. Wow. We have them. They're at Bailey's house, but we have them. Wow. And uh, there was one with Kowalski's bakery. Like it was. The, the art is beautiful. The passion that goes into them, like that is what I want to support. I am choosing to put my money into that as opposed to, I can ease, I'm pretty good at not spending money, especially yeah. on things like you're <laughs> saying, where it feels like it's just feeding maybe a dangerous machine that, ah, uh, that's probably detrimental to the brand overall. I'm good at that. People like this, Jamie twins. Uh, there, I mean, there were so many. Uh, Oddment and uh, Tweak, the the Curio store, the enamel pin people. Oh yeah, no, they had uh-huh. some of the coolest. I've got Grimald Place. It opens up. It's a pin that's got. Oh, it just it's it's amazing. Nearly his neck, his head pops off. Hey Come Luke, on. it's tell, awesome. Tell them about the story about your uh, uh, your Dark Mark tattoo that you got. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't remember her name. I don't remember her name. Um, but there was a face painter, body painter there. I, I really wish I could remember her I'll, name. I didn't get a... I'll post it on on Patreon under the Unfoundables, but I got the entire video of the thing. Oh, did yeah. you? Perfect. I bet the uh, I bet the uh, name is shown on her sign when, on that video. So please check that out because she was awesome. And uh, she was like, oh, what do you what do you want? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'll take a look around. I was looking around the, the examples on the wall and I said, that one the dark mark and she goes oh a dark mark she opens up like her her book and it's like the fancy dark mark you know like whatever it looks awesome essentially from the uh moore's mordre spell like what you see in the sky and i said no 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 i want the a very potter musical dark <laughs> <laughs> with, oh it was great face yeah, with, yeah. With the fork <laughs> oh it was so great yeah and we've got plenty of pictures of it but uh yeah just people that just get it, you know? And I like to reward that. Like that's, that's what I'm there for. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, it, guys. In fact, I just, uh, our little conversation about Eric there, I, I went ahead and texted him and I was like, Hey, you know what? You're, you're the center part of our discussion right now. You've had such a huge, uh, huge impact on the fandom. And he goes, Oh, he goes, next month is my 17 years anniversary with MuggleNet. Wow. He goes, I'm God, so touched. Not even just as a Harry Potter fan, but with MuggleNet. Right. Just with MuggleNet, right? So that's, that's, that's great. That's 2002. Yeah. He goes, we're talking about. I'm so touched by the knowledge that this is a discussion. So, oh. you know, it's... See? Sweet guy. Oh, yeah. There you go. He's there's kind of, he's there's kind the dark the marks. And I love oh, him. God. Yeah. No, I'm holding yeah. up a picture of uh, of my phone of the, uh, <laughs> the smiley dark mark. It's so I got awesome. the real one here. It's great. Yeah. Oh, I not, know you do. Not the ABPM. <laughs> it's great. I love it. Um, 
Oh, can I also say the cosplayers were awesome? Oh, Jesus, yes! That is like, okay, when when I went to LeakyCon my first year, I want to say cosplay wasn't as big a thing. There were yeah. not as many cosplayers. And and Terrence, back me up on that. When was when was your yeah. first time going to a leaky con? Uh, two thousand ten, maybe. Nah, 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 nah. Like two thousand maybe twelve, thirteen, somewhere. Around okay. There. Yeah. Yeah, because even whenever I was at uh, uh, leaky eleven, um, there was nothing. I mean, like there. Yeah. I mean, there were some, but not as many as you see nowadays. Yes, that's how I felt when we were in Dallas too. I was like, oh, 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 oh my god, look at there's a there's a Mandrake. Oh, is that a a Bobaton like student? Oh my god. Yeah, and it was just everywhere whereas that my first one I was like, uh, yep, it just yeah. really really does. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't know if that's because like the cosplay aspect of the Osaka Vice and Fire Game of Thrones community is really strong. Like that's that's a pretty big part because there's thousands of characters, right? I mean People are very passionate for very many different reasons, right? And so, like, to me, going to LeakyCon, I I was like, okay, yeah, I expected it. And it was incredible. Like, it, it was caliber high. And that very much surprises me that that has not always been the case. Luke, what what's your what was your favorite cosplay that you saw there? Oh, man. I, I held – so this was one of my favorite people. They cosplayed. And I, I just so I'm I'm very much more of a as you can very much attest to how I approach uh, Avada Kedavra, Amortentia, and Imperio. Like I like the more deep cuts mm-hmm. or like no one's gonna do that. Yeah, that's why no we get one's along. Do that. <laughs> Stan Shunpike. Stop it. Yeah, that yeah. dude. Stan was, was great. One, awesome. He he came up to us as dragons and said. I'm getting a picture with you and it's happening. <laughs> and sure enough, I took a picture yeah. right back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that was, that was one of my favorite ones. He was, he was such a nice guy and he gave us something. He gave us something as well. A ribbon? I, it, I don't think it was a ribbon. I think it was a business card. I need to look around. I've got, a, I've got like a collection of like things that I didn't have a place to put, <laughs> but he was, he was very awesome. Um, Oh, uh, William Phoenix was awesome, who has a podcast. I will look up the name of it, but he showed up day one as Kowalski. Oh, my God. Yes, this guy. Carrying Newt's case. Day two. Do you remember what he was day two? Yeah, he was Queenie day two. He was Queenie day two. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And he shaved off the mustache at that point. He shaved off his actual mustache for day two. Uh, day three, he was something else. He was, um, uh, I, I, it's not Dumbledore. He was, uh, oh my God, was I he, can't remember. Was he Dumbledore? Yeah, no, it, well, uh, he had a, uh, it was a, he was, he was, was an it? old wizard. Yeah. I think it might've been Dumbledore is what I yeah. thought. I didn't actually ask him that day. I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, that was one he of the days we, fun. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't spend that much time in the vendor room that day, but I mean, he was always floating around. It was great. It was great. He was, I mean, that's the most dynamic uh, that I've ever seen a cosplayer. Like, I mean, because you see them, yeah, they, they're, they're, you know, they, they float around and, and cosplay the same player every three, every day for three days or four days or however long it may have been. But this guy did three characters in three days. It was, it was wonderful. So check out his podcast, Wizarding with William Phoenix by Man Bites Media. 
So he was awesome. I very much appreciated meeting him. Uh, the entire Weasley family was awesome. They were one of the Terrence. If you remember, they were one of the first groups that we approached with our ribbons. Yeah. After yeah. the uh, opening ceremony, right? Yeah, it was. It was um, because we uh, we we started to walk into the vendor room, and at that point, you know, we we had the ribbons in our hand, and people were just coming up to us, and they were like, "Oh, are you giving away ribbons?" And they're like, "Yeah," sure. you know, we were telling them about Absolutely. about the show, and then it was right there in front of the food stand. I think that we met the uh, uh, that. Uh, that guy. And then whenever we were in one of the panels after the panel had ended and everybody was clearing out, we're like, Hey, this is a prime time that we can hand out ribbons. So that's whenever we met the Weasleys. And then I didn't realize it was the Weasleys until you said something. We were outside. I think a couple of minutes later, I was like, Hey, let's go up to the Weasleys. And you're like, no, we just gave them all the ribbons. And I was like, Oh no, we just met well, them. <laughs> well, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, they gave us a ribbon as well. I'll show that ribbon on the on the, the screen here. Yeah. But it was Weasley's whimsical world of Harry Potter. I think they have a Facebook group, so check them out. Uh, some of them were from England. Some of them, I think, were from Wales. Some of them were from the United States. And like, because that was how we first talked to them. They were like, "Hey, we just surprised the other half of the group that we were going to be here. They didn't know they were going to be there." And I was like. That's that's special. That's a that's a really cool moment that Aww. I just uh, you know dropped some eaves on. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'll always have that stolen from them. That was fantastic. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. And uh, another truly prime uh, cosplay was the Remembrall. Oh my God! Yes, were they just a giant ball? Yeah, Sydney, who's <laughs> in the hangout with us, just held up a picture of it and uh i'm gonna keep stalling until she could hold it up again for, for for tyler but it was essentially like a big plastic snow globe looking thing around this girl dressed oh, in red so and cool. it was awesome it was awesome <laughs> sydney wow <laughs> so yeah the cosplay game was strong um i will say i didn't see too many Grindelwalds. I didn't see too many. There was a really good Voldemort. There was a really good Voldemort. Um, there were several really, really good Newts. Uh, there was a very good Tina. Um, I will say that was another thing that kind of stood out to me, even looking at the panels that we went to. There's certainly a focus on Fantastic Beasts in general mm -hmm. and the where the story is going for Fantastic Beasts. And I'm I'm here for it. I, I, yeah. I'm very much excited about it. And I was glad to see it wasn't very much of a. That's not canon. It was not a contentious thing at all. It was this is where we're going. And there was a lot of contentious stuff about uh, a certain play that we all know. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, and I think the fans are excited to cosplay from Fantastic Beasts purely because it's not everybody in the same kind of Hogwarts uniform, you know, that right. we got so much with Harry Potter, you know, mm -hmm. 75 to 80% of the characters who we meet are in the same 
black robes. You oh, know? you're wearing a Hogwarts yeah. robe, but you have red hair. <laughs> oh, mm, there it narrows it down to yeah. seven. <laughs> and now everybody can be like these big, elaborate cosplays and everything. So I could see From the twenties too, which mm-hmm. is exciting. Hey, Luke, did you see the guy uh, dressed as Dumbledore from Fantastic Beasts? He had the no. beard and the nice suit and everything Double like that. Daddy? I was like, Dumble Daddy, yeah. I yeah. did not see that one. My wife was like, Dumble Damn. And I was like, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> this ring, it's an unforgivable vow, remember? <laughs> but no, Don't he was, yeah, he was great too. I mean, it was. Gosh, it was just so wonderful. And it's so wonderful to just like kind of reconnect these memories of, of, I mean, even though it happened only like two weeks ago, it's still, you know, there was so much to consume that I feel like I forgot some of it. So I'm glad that that I was remembered of some of the things that you had recalled, Luke. Oh, yeah, I guarantee I'm forgetting way too much. I was not as drunk as I wanted to be. But I was drinking. <laughs> That's a mood. I was. That's my life. <laughs> well, I'm excited to be able to hang out with you guys in Orlando because that is a 100% guaranteed thing that I'll be there. So very excited about that. We need, yeah, we need to yeah. schedule just a planning for all, all parties involved. Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. We need an ent moot. We need to talk about the things that we need to talk about. Sydney, who's currently listening on the episode as one of our patrons, and along with G Yang, hi ladies. Um, all uh, Sydney, you, you're going to get on booking us uh, the Airbnb for next year, right? But not so far away, right? <laughs> okay, she did okay. a great job planning yeah. this year she, too. She did an amazing job. I mean, we couldn't have done I this without the place Sydney. That we stood I got to meet all of these Lyft drivers. Oh my um, god, it was great! Yeah, come on, that was that's a whole that's next episode. We'll hey, talk about the lift drive. Oh my god, we gotta we got, we got have Sydney and and Bailey and and Gretchen on for the the lift driver experience. We and Geo can yeah. be on that one. Yeah, Geo can be I, on that got, one as well. Yeah, yeah, there are some gems. There, there's there's some Steves. Yeah, how much did that lift? <laughs> there was a drive a quarter mile up the wrong side of the road. How much uh, did that that lift cost you? Oh, that cost one Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yes yes uh lyft drivers really freaked us out that that's uh, driving the wrong way and stuff yeah it's exciting sure life's boring enough <laughs> um yeah yeah so it's been great um gosh just i mean i i i can't even to be able to to describe to you guys how energized i feel how re-energized i feel and, and it doesn't even look it, it it doesn't feel like it honestly that i took a break because i've been keeping up with things throughout the summer um you know we we coming off of LeakyCon, hearing different theories i mean we came up with some pretty amazing ones in this in the uh the credence human or beast panel if you haven't had a chance check that out on our facebook page that's that's crazy <laughs> we came up with a lot of a lot of good stuff I really mean it, even with the, the same comment I had for Eric Skull earlier. The Swish and Flick girls incredibly surprised me. I didn't know what to expect going into it, but good golly, they are as brilliant as they come across on their podcast. And I'm excited to do 
more with them. I mean, also just they can drink a little bit, and <laughs> <it's fine. laughs> yes, yes, and, and get them going. I'll say half of them are as passionate about Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald as I am. Oh no, which is a good thing, Tyler. Uh, it's a good thing. Sorry, my eyes just got stuck. They rolled so hard. <laughs> I don't need myself because you're wrong. I love you. <laughs> yeah. I love you too, buddy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Swish and Flick. I mean, all the ladies over there, Katie, Tiffany, Sarah, and Megan are all such wonderful ladies. And we're looking forward to future projects with them. Hopefully soon. Hopefully you guys will hear something by the uh, by Thanksgiving, maybe. Maybe if we can jump on something soon, you know, we'll all be able to do a Swish and Flick radio. That'll be amazing. Ooh. Yeah. Hogwarts and Flick. What? Hog- no. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds dirty. Oh, man. That, that reminds me of a Potter Puppet Pals joke. What's your favorite wizard swear? Swish and Flicker. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That Potter Puppet Pals show was great, wasn't it? Oh, it was so <sighs> wonderful. He it could was just... good. And I, prepping for it, had watched some of their live performances back from... I don't know if it was Azcatraz or some of the things more like 2012, 2011, well before I did fandom stuff when I was still in my cave, just rereading and rereading and rereading, uh, which was nice. You know, it was it was a good cave. I appreciated it, um, but it was entirely different. Right. And the the motivational business plan that they went through a whole PowerPoint as if Harry Potter was teaching you how to be a better you. Oh, it was good. It was quite good. I, I I still remember the first time I saw them live, and I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to expect. Is the is the comedy going to translate, you know, in real life? And my God, I think it's better live than Can't on say something? Yeah, it does. It, it does translate, and it is better. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, I remember just sitting there in the audience, and I was just like, Oh my God, please let this keep going forever. That was fundamentally the only thing, the only person that I went up to that I didn't know how to handle myself with. Like, I was like, okay, don't nerd out. Don't nerd out. Don't nerd out. So I just walked away. Like, that was the only one I was afraid <laughs> of being, like, like too much. Right. And Neil's <laughs> such a chill dude, too, oh, you know? <laughs> oh, he, he, was, he was so nice. So nice. Like, ridiculously nice. Probably too nice. He needs to, he needs to fix that. Neil, be less nice. <laughs> well, I mean, some of those characters really just don't feel like they give a crap about anything, you know? Um, I liked how the little kids came up because, you know, he's, I mean, he's geared towards all ages. That's that's what makes him such a wonderful dynamic. But, it, you know, he even interacted with the kids that were like eight years old that were there. And remember, Luke, that, that little kid that said, um, yeah, I'm a Death Eater. And he was like, oh, so you're a Death Eater, huh? <laughs> you know, and, and used uh, one of the characters in that uh, that sense. But the comedy did translate well, and that's what I'm so... I mean, I, I that was my first Potter Puppet Pals live show that I've been to. I've watched him on YouTube for years, but gosh, it was just as funny in, in person as it is on YouTube. It's just, oh, it's so wonderful. I will say that I think my favorite my favorite moment was when someone had a question for Nuzzle, Nuzzle Lunge Button. And <laughs> since he's a butternut squash, it was very clear that, well, it's hard to keep the butternut squash ripe enough 
to be on screen or on stage. So he's not here today <laughs> because he wasn't ready. <laughs> yeah. It, it, and that translated. It was, it was well done. He said, uh, I mean, because it was obviously off screen. But who was it, Luke, that, that went to check on Neville? Do you remember which character it was? Sydney, you're listening in live right now. I don't know if you remember which character Hermione it was. Went and checked on Nuzzle. Was it Hermione? Button? Yeah, she was okay, Sydney's confirming it. Yeah. And then there was a, a voice a voice off off uh off stage to make it work. Yeah. And uh it worked. Like it it was one of those observational comedy geniuses, is what Neil is, right? Like it's one thing to have a, a video YouTube comedy series and be successful with that right like it's it's one thing to have a script and be funny and that's great right it's another thing to be an observational comic on stage and have that presence translate well Mm -hmm. it's also another thing to do that with 15 different harry potter caricatures Mm -hmm. that you've created it's not just the harry potter characters it's the caricatures that he's created and he does them so well. I don't know if there's other people involved in the voicings. I, I think there's more than one person back there, or if more people are doing the voices and things like that. I don't know. I, w- I would like to know more. Um, but regardless, the quick switches and the ability to fully switch caricatures and make it relevant to the question and the previous questions like keeping that all in memory made it a really, really well devised comedy skit just as a true comic perspective. It was tight. It was neat. And like, good grief, that guy talented. He's good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's real good. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. got an awesome kid who was there. Yeah. He sure Whoa. did. Didn't even know he had a kid. He does. And that kid was awesome. <laughs> well, uh, safe to say, I think we enjoyed ourselves at LeakyCon, and we're definitely looking forward to Orlando 2020, where uh, most of us are going to be there again. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be it's going to be an, an event to remember. I mean, assuming that LeakyCon follows the 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 trends that they have in the past. I mean, guys, it's safe to assume that we're going to have like a private park event as well, you know? Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. Um, Can I say that'll be a pretty cool way to experience the full park for my first time? Oh, man. (gasps) Oh, my God. I cannot believe that. Tyler. I've been to uh, the L.A. Hogsmeade. Uh Uh-huh. That's it. Wow. Wow. So, Tyler, have you ever been to a private park event? before yes yeah uh four of them so not you've been to like night of a thousand wizards for the old hpef crowd the god i'm trying to remember so all of mine have never been through a harry potter convention oh wow okay yeah they've all been um either like a media thing or like a special like uh like private company business kind of thing um, I'm trying to think of what some of the other ones were, but yeah, I, I know that I've been to four, four after hours where like they clear everybody out and they're like, all right, have at it. y'all." They pull out all the stops. Really? I mean, they do. I, 
Uh, the food and everything. Oh, like, yes. Yes. Oh, MuggleNet Live. MuggleNet Live was one of them, too. That's what it was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So in Diagon Alley, um, so whenever you get into Di- – whenever you walk into Diagon Alley, you can either go straight or you can go right. Um, whenever you go right, it takes you to – it takes you around the bend to the stage where Celestina and the Warbecks perform. And they set up this amazing buffet – it was, I mean, it was so good. It was, I, I, I don't even know how to describe it. The food was yeah. just amazing. Um, and and the, my favorite part about those private events is they pull out vegan options that aren't available during the day. And I'm like, God, this is so rad that this is here, but why not have it during the day? But not, it's still right? so good. I'm always so excited. It's It feels so intimate at night. It really does. Um you know, in in Hogsmeade, I mean, yeah, during the day, sure, you can still you you still get you know the same experience and everything, but at night, everything's just so lit up. You know, mm-hmm. you there's lit, bro. yeah, there's no, <laughs> there's That's not ten thousand people in the park just trying to get their you know views of the storefronts or of Hogwarts. You know, it's just you and maybe a thousand Harry Potter fans. Oh yeah, you know, and I mean, it's it's. I, Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I I find that when um I go from, you know, because a lot of these private events happen happen at night, uh, so I find that I uh, if I visit the park during the day and then I stay there for that private event at night, uh, I'm like running around the park at night just because I'm so excited that I can move at my own pace. Yes, you know, because yes. during the day you're like crammed in there. You're like, uh, okay, okay, okay. I feel like a mandrake that's in too small of a, of a pot, you know? Yeah. Really but, dense soil. Really yes. dense. And so I'm like, at the end of the, at, at night, I'm like zipping around. I'm like, woohoo, you know, I can go anywhere. I can go anywhere. <laughs> it's in a book. <laughs> Take a look. A reading rainbow. <laughs> Thanks, Jordy. Oh man, I love Jordy LaForge so much. <laughs> um, yeah, the private park events are definitely intimate. Uh, more intimate. Um, it's 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 wonderful to get excited about them. I'm I I can't wait until next year. Until this time, you know, just. Oh my goodness! Ah, I'm getting chills already from it. Not because it's cold in in the space I'm recording in, but because I can't wait to see all of your wonderful faces at this Harry Potter convention, where we can just all hang out and you know be a family. It's gonna oh, be ready for it. It's gonna be a, a great experience. Yeah, we're probably just all gonna move there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it. Permanently, he can. Well, see, I mean, Alex is moving to the other side of the country, so it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. <laughs> know, that's exciting. Good for her. Yeah, Good that's for her. Very exciting. I'm also really jealous of the thing that might be happening in early December in LA. Uh, what's that? I haven't heard. Ooh, Tyler's involved. Wait, hang on. What? Alex is involved and <laughs> Bailey's involved. Oh no. Does that mean that maybe Luke will be involved? Uh, I'll be I'll be I'll be there at the end of January. Oh my god, oh, Terrence will be involved. Year. Oh, for Bailey's birthday, right? Yeah. Actually, yeah. Uh we're oh. so yeah, Bailey and I are going I know we've talked about this on the show before, but we're going to see Cursed Child in San Francisco That's at the end right. of January. And so I'm flying to LA like earlier that week and then driving up to San Francisco, doing a bit of a tour and then driving back down to LA. So it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. And, um, wow. How, 
Happy early birthday, Bailey. Yeah. yeah she's pretty cool. Well, I hey, like speaking of yeah, cursed... <laughs> speaking of cursed child, um, so that's part of our news this week. Um, cursed child launches in San Francisco and City Hall lights I'm up to celebrate. Yeah. It should be a good experience for you guys. Um, I've still got to connect with you guys on what days you're going because I'm going to try to get tickets. But um, So San Francisco's Curran Theater is proudly welcoming Harry Potter and the Cursed Child to its stage, beginning with part one on Wednesday, October 23rd, and moving on to part two Thursday, October 24th. Official performances of part one and part two begin Sunday, December 1st, 2019. And tickets can be purchased either in person at the current theater box office or at harrypotteronstage.com from now through June 2020. Prices vary from $59 to $199 with premium seats available for every performance if you want the very best view of your favorite Cursed Child moments. That is according to the article over at MuggleNet.com. Luke, how excited on a scale of one and nine to three quarters are you? Oh, I'm a full nine and a half to nine and three quarters. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm at I'm in that range. And if you want to be as excited as Terrence is to come and see Bailey and I uh, watch the play, because he's not going to watch the play. He's going to watch us watch the play, right? Yeah, pretty um, much. Um, yeah, but I believe it's the thirtieth and thirty first. I think it's a Thursday and a Friday, or is it the Friday and Saturday? Oh wow, is I it? Don't know. It's right on her birthday, then, right? Yes. Yeah, it is. Wow, you're, you're, you're testing me. What I know her birthday. <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna be listening to the show I and be like, ah, it's I hope either it gets the thirtieth right. and the thirty first, or it's the thirty first and the first, which is the Friday Saturday. I think it's the Thursday Friday. I think I've asked her. She's not feeling well tonight so she might be sleeping already yeah but i'm i'm pretty excited about it i i read the screenplay when it first came out right i'm gonna call it a screenplay a fan fiction story (laughs) um it's i'm excited to see it i am and i'm i'm not going to reread it ahead of time i'm going to let it be its own thing i remember a lot being completely honest, and I, I have my gripes, but I'm going to try to pick my own nits to pick after the fact. Yeah. I'm going to see that hopefully I don't remember some of the things that I remember, and it's portrayed in a way that I can be okay with it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I want to give it its due. I want it. I want to give it a fair shake because I've only truly heard positive things about the play itself right and i can go into it with a good mindset and not be a you know a downtown abbey if you will a a, a doubting nancy and uh give it a shot but um that's that's what i'm gonna do and i'm excited to see it because one bailey will be there that'll be fun and two good call (laughs) and two It'll just be fun to also, like LeakyCon, be in a place where everyone there is passionate about Harry Potter. You're not going to get people that are fly-by-night fans, right? They're not going to be the wishy-washy, here-you-go-it's-a-cool-thing type fan. The people that are still going are people that are passionate. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little bit different than I am, but there's value in that. Clearly, they paid for a ticket to be there, so... 
they care that much to be there at least. So I think that'll be really cool to have a chance to meet some people there. And uh, if you find yourself in the San Francisco area at the end of January, seeing Cursed Child, please follow us on Hogwarts Radio. Follow us at must at not named podcast at smarmy lucart probably i can guarantee you he'll be there <laughs> yes uh, he would be there yeah he would be right yeah. he would and um yeah i would love to meet some people there you know meet some people that either listen to us here or find us there and uh are listening back from the future to when we were talking about that then here now yeah absolutely you know i i Okay, so I haven't read the screenplay myself. I haven't. I mean, well, I, we've discussed this all on mm-hmm. the show in the past, but oh, I, I have this. Then I have not read the screenplay. I have not um, bothered to dive into the story, although I do know spoilers. Now I know bits and pieces of spoilers, but can I say the bits and pieces that you proclaim to me? were not my most problematic spoilers. Okay, so that's going to depend on the day that I proclaim that to you. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> Knowing at where we were and so, when it was. Yeah, exactly. Going down the escalator after the leaking on ball might not be Wait, the no, best we time. Floated. Yeah. We floated, my friend. We did. Wow. Okay. Can't believe we did that, but okay. The Guardian um, Terrence Osa. Yes, we did. It's <laughs> my favorite spell. <laughs> it's very effective. But I, I have formed an opinion overall of the play um, without seeing it. And I know that's, I mean, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to, right? You're supposed to have all the facts. You're supposed to have all the answers in front of you. Then you're supposed to form your opinion about whether it's going to be canon, whether, you know, you accept it or not. I have not read the screenplay enough to be able to do that now i will make a single statement on that topic specifically and tyler back me up if you agree the only let me hear it first fundamental problem i have with cursed child only one one specific not spoilery at all the fact that it was billed as harry potter 8 it was only a marketing blunder that forced everyone to think of it a certain way when it should not have been to, yep. from the start. That's uh-huh. the only problem. Yep. Agree. It's, it's a fun, good story, but it's not the eighth installment of the Harry Potter series. That's the yep. only problem with it. And, that's, and, and we're seeing that now with J.K. Rowling's edition as well. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So take that viewpoint of it whenever you experience this story from the start. And I don't know if that was really the int- original intention. I think that was maybe a marketing running with an idea. Yes. That got out of hand. Exactly. That, that's how I feel about it, which is why I feel better about going into the play with the perspective I have right now. Tyler, don't ruin it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I read too much into what Warner Brother does I know, with the I Harry don't. Potter series. I'm, I'm allowing look, myself to be oblivious. <laughs> look, it was he even put on the Dragon Hood, folks. For for those of you listening to the podcast, he put on the Dragon Hood. He's ready to go to town with closing me out. Yeah, the look, true knowledge. Look, Get out of here, Tyler. The the major the major. Uh, uh, argument the fandom has now is because all seven Harry Potter books were written by J.K. Rowling. No companions, nothing at all, no co-authors, nothing. The fact that that Tiffany Thorne and, I mean, John... Jack, Jack. I'm sorry, right. Jack Thorne and Tiffany... 
Is there a Tiffany in there? It's like John Tiffany or something? John Tiffany and Jack Thorne. A new play by Jack Thorne. I'm sorry, I got it in front of me. Yeah, John Tiffany. It is unfortunately very close to me at all times. So the fact that John Tiffany and Jack Thorne wrote this book alongside J.K. Rowling is the major problem I have with it. You know, because she didn't need help writing the the other seven books. However, I am going to reserve all judgment about the content of the play and the context it's presented in until I can see it in the medium that it was intended to see. Reasonable. I I appreciate that so much because I feel like they really should not have put out this script. And I know that that, that is a big horrible thing to say because when it comes to accessibility you're also very much a horrible person well i try to be with that right (laughs) i know well it's just like what did they expect you know when when they put out the the story in a medium that it's not supposed to be put out in before it's it's accessible to other people to experience the correct way right Mm -hmm. it's and so it's like, of course, I'm going to base my whole opinion on this particular uh, way that I've consumed this story. But everybody who I talk to is like this. The, the stage play makes up for the plot holes. The stage play makes up for the plot holes. And I'm like, cool, that's super tight. And I cannot wait to go see it. Uh, I'm going to plan a year and a half trip where I'm going to go see it in every country that it's playing. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, because I just want to just want to get it all. Even Melbourne. Oh yeah, and Germany too. I want to hear it in Deutsch. Whenever, uh, whenever you go to Melbourne, make sure you uh, hook up with the uh, podcast nine and three quarters girls. Oh, they are <laughs> they are freaking tight. Oh, that's rad. Yeah, I'll have to check yeah. them out. So um, I'm I'm excited to see it on on stage. I mean, I love the soundtrack. I love uh, the visuals. I liked that it felt separate from Harry Potter as a whole. Uh, it's just, I of course have some plot, you know, whatever's, but I'm excited to, to see it up on stage. I'll say that. And I think everybody that's willing to delve out harsh criticism of this play should reserve that until they see the play in the, you know, in which it was attended because you know, it, it doesn't, like we said, it doesn't translate well to a screenplay. It reads like a fan fiction. And, uh, hey, that's okay for that. But that's not the way that whenever J.K. Rowling put her seal of approval on it, that's not the way she wanted it to come out. And the only way that it came out was that it was marketed, might have been a marketing blunder, as the official eighth story. And we were, you know, part of the argument was, well, you know, the, the seven books were accessible to the public. Why isn't the eighth story accessible to the public? And that's where they ran up uh, they ran up against Hirsch criticism. And I think that's mm-hmm. why they put it out. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. All right. And our last, uh, our, our final news story here, Potted Potter returns to Chicago in December and January. The award-winning Harry Potter parody, Potted Potter, is returning to Chicago. Following a popular residency on the Vegas Strip, the Harry Potter-inspired Potter show will have a four-week run at the Broadway Playhouse at Water Tower Place from December and into January. 
And it's uh, this is uh, of course a broadwayworld.com. And the the uh, I guess the premise of the show here, uh, direct quote says, whether you camped outside a bookstore for three days awaiting the release of Deathly Hallows, or you don't know the difference between a Horcrux and a Hufflepuff, the unauthorized Harry Potter experience, a parody by Dan and Jeff, makes for an entertaining and hilarious visit to the theater. The fast-paced show, which has made audiences aged six to Dumbledore, who is very old indeed, roar with laughter all over the world, is perfect for the entire family. <laughs> this sounds wonderful. Um, Tyler, have you seen this? Have you seen Potter Potter? No, but if I remember correctly, this was like the premise, not not the premise, but this was Puffs the Musical before Puffs the Musical existed, uh-huh. right? This was like a fun random parody kind of thing that you could go to. They were skirting that, that trademark, that copyright law to do just some funny stuff. Right. Um, it's always been, I've, I've heard of it and I know of it, but I've, I've not been able to see it myself. So maybe now is the time for sure. This sounds, uh, this sounds f- wonderful. I mean, of course there's all, there's all these stage productions. Like we discussed puffs, uh, we've talked about that in the past. Potted Potter. Um, I think there's even another one that's out there. Uh, I'm not quite sure of the name. It's escaping me right now. Uh, but that's. I mean, but there's still like a very Potter musical. There's yeah. I mean, there there are plenty of great parodies, and the fact that you can have so many, and I guarantee there are way more that you could do because there's such great characters and there's so many great diverse characters. Again, it's the strength of the storytelling that we have to start with. Right. And we, we, if we didn't give a if we didn't care at all, you wouldn't have these phenomenal parodies and it wouldn't be as ripe for parodying if the story itself wasn't great. So I, this is new to me. Potter Potter is new to me, but also pubs. The musical was new to me and because (laughs) I'm just kind of the worst and uh, that's fine. (laughs) Um, But I I think it just harkens to how strong of a story it is that it is able to be parodied so well. Right. I mean, think of star Wars pretty easy to parody because it's a pretty good story. Right. I mean, that's all space balls, isn't it? Well, (laughs) that's all. That's all. um, Give me start on Lone Star and his raspberry jelly. Ooh, that's all Blue Harvest too, right? <laughs> oh yeah, Family Guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do that too well. How long did you practice that before we got is, on this call? It is scary how good he is at some of these creepy voices. Oh my god, yeah, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Yeah, the uh, the old guy. And speaking of Star Wars parodies, that. Uh, uh, the Blue Harvest one in Family Guy where the old guy is Obi-Wan Kenobi and he's like kind of like the, the pedophile. Um, and so he ends up, you know, in the scene in A New Hope where uh, Luke and Han and, and Leia and Chewie, they're all trying to get back to the Falcon on the Death, uh, on the Death Star and, um, you know... Obi-Wan uh, sacrifices himself. Right, he sacrifices himself. But before that happens, um, he ends up singing Time of... Um, I've had the time of my life, the dirty dancing song uh, to Luke, who who is played by Chris. <laughs> it's just, it's so oh, funny. It's messed up. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. Just the right way. Yeah. 
All right. So that is all of the news that we have. Uh, I believe we have a Lumos update. Tyler, you wanted to talk about this. Uh, we had posted it in our Slack chat earlier today and how sh- how J.K. Rowling has, well, not really distanced herself, but how it's become the official charity of the Wizarding World. Yeah, this, um, y- you know, as somebody who runs a Wizarding World-inspired uh, nonprofit organization, we've I, f- I follow what the relationship is between Lumos and um, the Wizarding World franchise pretty pretty closely. Uh, there was a, a time where Warner Brothers kind of started going after a lot of us, uh, like Wizarding World inspired nonprofits, uh, and we were all so confused why. Uh, so I came across this, God, it feels like a couple months ago, actually. And it was a job listing on indeed. Uh, and it had this little paragraph that I'd never seen before regarding Lumos. Uh, so Lumos and I, I went through in these last two months to double check this, but Lumos has never claimed to be the official, uh, nonprofit or charity for, the the wizarding world franchise Uh uh-huh it it's always just been assumed that hey jk rowling's involved there's a harry potter spell we're gonna maybe mention where the origin of the name came from but that's it there's no official none of that right well it's interesting because this job listing actually says this and i'm gonna i'm gonna quote it here for our listeners quote lumos is the official charity partner of the wizarding world that that first sentence right there wow made my my skin crawl a little bit right it goes on to say quote the wizarding world refers to the universe around jk rowling's creations including harry potter and fantastic beasts lumos is an important partner to the blair partnership warner brothers and other wizarding world partners since inception lumos has successfully partnered with the wizarding world in many ways from books to films on digital platforms and in live events we we being Lumos, uh-huh. benefit from the sale of products are provided with exclusive, quote, money can't buy opportunities and access to the millions of fans around the world. That, I mean, we we know that a lot of the books that have been released, kind of these companion side books that Joe has put out, uh, benefit Lumos directly. Right. That's fantastic. Lumos does amazing work. I don't want to discredit that at all. Um but I think this is just another kind of feather in Warner Brothers cap, but not a not a good cap when, you know, we're seeing constantly Warner Brothers shutting down uh, fan events to put on their own events or unofficial fan clubs to create their own official fan club. And now we understand why there was that time where Warner Brothers kind of was going after us Harry Potter nonprofits because they were trying to really boost up Lumos as now we know, quote, the official charity partner of the wizarding world. So what I want to ask is, do you think all of this occurred back in February, whenever the wizarding world rebranded, um, you know, it, and it, and it took away essentially JK Rowling's name and it just came, uh, the, whenever the global brand development team said, you know what, we're just going to put everything under this umbrella of the wizarding world. And it kind of took a, everything associated with JK Rowling, um, under that umbrella. Yeah, I definitely do think that this was a major part of that. Um, having the having Warner Brothers, the Blair Partnership, and J.K. Rowling 
all coming together under this global Wizarding World franchise brand. We all know that they are now one giant controlling entity, right? They've all three worked together very closely all these years. Um, And I think having Lumos in there just made a lot of sense to them, you know, and we're, we're, we're constantly seeing this, how they're trying to control and rein in as much as, uh, as they can. And, and it makes me wonder as close as we pay attention to this, how did we miss this? If this occurred (sighs) back then, were we so consumed? Luke, if you remember, were we so consumed with the controversy surrounding fantastic beasts at that time that we just totally missed this vital piece of information altogether? I mean, that's, that's definitely possible. I mean, since Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald was fundamentally the best Harry Potter movie that's ever been created. <laughs> that's possible that I missed it. You know, I I may have been so enamored with how good of a movie it was storytelling wise compared to the rest of them um, that I also don't check the news. I I only rely on Hogwarts Radio to tell me the news. I I don't pay attention. I'm here for I'm here for book content and new movie content. I don't I don't bring the news. I just bitch about it. <laughs> well, and to to put a date to this, I found this job posting on May 27th is when I found it. Oh wow, that's that's almost cool. exactly five months ago. Then yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Yep it it's it was pretty jarring. I don't know, Terrence, when you hear something like this, what do you, what comes to mind to you as a Harry Potter fan and as somebody who follows this kind of stuff? Just, I mean, this is, it's chilling, you know, because we as fans do such great work. Um, You know, the Harry Potter Alliance is amazing work. The Protego Foundation, all these nonprofit Harry Potter inspired initiatives do such great work that I feel like it, it, it takes away a lot of that oomph. You know that a lot of that momentum that these that these fan created foundations are 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 a part of it, it, it's I mean it makes me sick it really does I, I I it makes me think that you know the 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 umbrella is greedy the umbrella is trying to pull everything up towards um, this capitalist machine it just it bothers the shit out of me, and I don't know how else to articulate my feelings about it. Can I pull a mainly ignorant viewpoint just for discussion purposes more sure. than anything? Yes, please. I, is it really a detriment to other organizations? I mean, it, does it does it pull a chance for, say, Protego or Harry Potter Alliance to have like there is there's not a single pie that we're all pulling a piece from is there or is this just creating more awareness about a potential pie that we're all getting a part of like, i'm just asking the question from a i don't have a horse in this race personally and i'm just curious so tyler can you speak to that a little bit for me yeah absolutely uh if i continue with the pie metaphor for sure imagine that there was a pie that Harry Potter fans have been able to eat from for the last 10 to 15 years. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And then some, some baker comes along and says, Hey, you can't have that pie. That pie is now only for me to eat. The analogy kind of with that is we've all, 
in the Harry Potter, you know, nonprofit space, we've all been able to use bits of Harry Potter because we're not trying to profit off it. We're trying to use our love and passion for this fandom to make the world a better place, whether it be Mm -hmm. for foster children, whether it be for animals, which is fundamentally the core theme of the books. If Mm -hmm. you read that, yep. Yep. Okay. 100%. Please continue. So because we have been able, we were able to do that for so long, we were all doing great work, but then certain notices started going out, not only to events, but to some of us saying, no, no, what you've been able to do in the past, you can no longer do. You can't do that anymore. You can't do this anymore. And it, it felt like that, that pie was being taken away from us. Okay. And I fully apologize if you had mentioned that in your original spiel on this <laughs> i left for a minute so i apologize <laughs> if if that happened because dragging up i'm pretty angry about that if that truly is the case it's not just a oh this is the official one uh the official wizarding world embodiment of what a charity is it's a different mm-hmm. thing to me if they're going after and i don't mean this derogatory at all the smaller fish that are also one not benefiting themselves in the least it's only work for you i know that it's only to benefit other people so one what's the point and two why would you create such a negative environment within your own system that is only been a positive force for good that I that fundamentally I have a problem with. So thank you for enlightening me and um, dragging on. Okay, so so there's this quote out of um, from okay from Jurassic Park of all places, right? And it's 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 one of the things, one of the freaking genius things that Ian Malcolm says. And uh, he goes, I'll tell you what the problem uh, with the scientific pow- power that you're using here. It uh, I'm going to see if I can do my Jeff best Jeff Goldblum here. It didn't uh, require any discipline to attain it. You read what others had done, and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any uh, responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even know what you had, you patented it. You packaged it. You slept it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. You want to sell it. I mean, that's what Warner Brothers is doing, and wake up, people, because they're doing it with fan sites, they, they did that with Pottermore. Now they're doing it with nonprofits. And that's what pisses me off the most about the global brand development team is that they're taking the work that what other people have done over the, the past 15, 16, 17 years, and now they're seeing they can do it themselves and they can do it even better in an official capacity. You woke me. Yeah. Watch yeah, out. I appreciate um, that. I'm uh. I don't know if it's because I've been so nonchalant or if I've listened to too much AccioPolitics, but uh, also check them out. I, lo- I love Adrian. I love she's amazing. Adrian. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's great. Um, but that bothers me. Like, I, like again, I went into this ignorant, and that's fine, you know? But knowing how it's affecting good people trying to do a good thing, that that irks me. That bothers me. 
and that is fundamentally outside of the theme of the book. It's fundamentally different than the story that we've been told. Correct. And I don't blame JK for that. You know, I don't look at if I was going to meet her today, I'd be like, oh, the hell is that all about? I wouldn't ask. I mean, that wouldn't, no. that just wouldn't be the conversation. But I wouldn't ask her either. But maybe we should. You know, and maybe like, hey, how much of this are you aware of? Or how much? It's not going to change things. I know that. But like, where's the responsibility lie? To me, one of the major themes of the books, which to me is the ultimate key, right? That's, hey, is it in line with the goals and themes of what the story is telling us? That's against what we've been taught is good and righteous in the world. Is there a responsibility to kind of practice what you preach within this series? It's, I mean, that is, that's what I would like to see happen, you know? And I, I gotta say there's, there's been some shakeups at Warner brothers, you know, with the whole merger and everything that's been going on. Um, and we've actually been the last year, maybe year and a half, it's been radio silent from, from Warner brothers. And I've checked with some, some other friends of mine who, who oversee other Harry Potter initiatives and it's been quiet on their side too. So I think that we've, we made some noise maybe a year ago, a year and a half ago. And I'm hoping that maybe they listened because it was kind of starting to feel like Potter Wars 2000, what two, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you guys were, you guys were around yeah. during that time. Yeah. I mean, Terrence, I'm sure you remember just how crazy that time was when they were trying to take away those domains and everything. They but... were. Yeah. They were trying to take down the fan sites and it, it mm-hmm. was insane. And they had realized they had, okay. So they hadn't realized how much of a following and, and uh, how much of, uh, how many people actually went to these fan sites to get this information. I mean, it, it would be equivalent to now somebody trying to take down like a major news network back then. I mean, and it wasn't going to happen. The fans weren't going to let it happen. But I feel as, as you know, everything becomes an official capacity of the wizarding world, which is under the umbrella of Warner Brothers, that the fans are just giving up that much more. And and it's, I mean, what are they going to come from next? I mean, is it going to be, are, is hey, is the Wizarding World going to start a an official podcast? Because they're seeing how much, you That's know, how are the podcasts, are, how long the podcasts are running and how well they're doing? I mean, I, I that definitely crossed my mind, Terrence, when, when I started reading about some of the about sections for Wizarding World Gold. Uh, it's it, They're talking about creating an entire like video series um, and other, you know, kind of exclusive behind the scenes content. And I'm like, man, if they come for if they come for Potter podcast, there's going to be a riot. Should we get our resumes ready? To, to apply, <laughs> would you sell out like that, Luke? Dude, I have way too many student loans. <laughs> I'd only do it for like two years, and then I'd be I'd be back to being cool. I'd sell out for just sure. two years, right? Work yeah. for Nickelback, right? Yeah, yeah, true out, story. Sell out, <laughs> <It> really did. <laughs> no, I I would not be surprised if that's on the horizon, though. You know, I. But, I mean, if you look at anything that, that Warner Brothers launches, let's say if you were to look at any of the top it charts of – Yeah, any of the top charts, right? Anything that Warner Brothers launches as it 
comes time to release whatever it is, they're, the hell they're going to release, Crimes of Grindelwald, the new Batman film, whatever, it becomes top of the charts. So they know they can do it, and they know they can do it in an official capacity because they have the, the, the resources they need to, to make that happen contractually. You know, um, so, the, you know, they they know that they're able to take on people like us and they know that they're they're able to crush us. They don't look at us as companions to the wizarding world anymore. They look at no. us as competition that needs to be crushed. And then everybody just needs to listen to them in their official capacity. That. Yeah. No, there's no doubt about that. And mm-hmm. there's there's a certain inertia to to company size right in the media world i'm speaking very much out of my depth other than the small podcast that i run and (laughs) the little bit of effort that i put into hogwarts radio there's a huge inertia to social media and to social awareness in media in general right that inertia comes from one dollars and two longevity if you have both of those things, I mean, it, there's no chance that they wouldn't have an ungodly amount of downloads per month. Oh, without a doubt. It, instantly. Without Just a doubt. instantly. I mean, it it would take promoting on a couple things here and there, and guess what? There's 100,000 downloads this month, 150,000 downloads next month. That's a guarantee. You can. I would put money down that that's going to happen. You're not going to short that stock. And guess what? As long as their hosts gave just enough of a shit, like just enough, they don't have to be good. They don't even care about it, but just enough to sell it. It's going to be fine. Like that would do really well. And they would make money on it by starting a Patreon, by doing whatever and making it seem like you are supporting an independent show. They don't have to tell you that it was fully funded and informed by a huge conglomeration, do they? Social no. capital plus monetization equals influence. Yeah. Yep. And I think the, the frustrating part about all of this is we are the the test tubes, right? For Or lack of a better term, we are the guinea pigs in it. Oh, I like guinea pigs. You know? Wait, wait. We, we are the ones who are like we're putting our, our own blood, sweat and tears into it. And then when they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. They respond to that. We've invested $0 in it. Now cut you off and we're going to do it. Oh, that was a good idea. That worked. That was a good idea. That worked. That was a good idea. That worked. No credit, no anything just because what, what ownership do we have other than like you said, we're passionate about this, but we have no backing. Oh, God, no. Protego Foundation has never made money. You know, we are obviously a 501c3 nonprofit organization, but um, the first four years that we were in existence, all of that money, or the first three years, I should say, all of that money was just pure me. Just, all right, here's, here's you know, a thousand bucks that I need to get this campaign going. Mm-hmm. I need money for this. I'm going to cover this website fee. And I know that's the case for so many Harry Potter fans who are doing these passion projects. Yep, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. I mean, Hogwarts Radio hasn't become self-sustaining um, until you know our our wonderful patrons that that are li- even listening to us record this now 
um, have made that happen for us um, and has really taken a, a load off of, a financial load off of you know the people behind the show sustaining it and that really helps out a lot and we can't you know we can't I, I personally am in so grateful for that uh, just because you know people love what we do and they support what we do and you know they will continue to support us in what we do um and i mean, I, I fully get that from the podcast that dot mm-hmm. com patreon side of things like yeah people were luckily drinking along with us for drinks and those things and clicked the patreon button just enough and they haven't sobered up enough to realize that they clicked <laughs> that button yet mm-hmm. and i'm very thankful for that exactly yeah. So it's absolutely be- and and I think you know going back to what we were saying that they see they see kind of the serious dollars that other Harry Potter podcasts are making uh, and they're like hey we can do this but we can do it even better in in an official capacity but what we know is that since people are doing it for the unofficial you know version of this all we can make some serious bank off of becoming the official version of this, the official podcast of the wizarding world, you know, the official podcast slapping the official seal on it brings a, a certain kind of weight, um, that is that, that can legally be unmatched. And, you know, people that may not have heard of our podcast or, or of our foundations of our, you know, fan inspired initiatives, um, don't know what we're doing, but whenever they see Warner Brothers doing it, they're like, oh my God, let me hop on that right away and let me get here. Yeah, here's my $10. If it's for Harry Potter, if it's for Fantastic Beasts, if it has anything to do with the franchise that I love, t- please take my money. Again, let me pull a, a bit of a devil's advocate, I guess. You know I'm on your side. I'm literally in that yes. space. Right. But take a company like MuggleNet, right? We talked about Eric Skull, who's about to celebrate his 17th anniversary working for and with MuggleNet. Like, that's incredible. One, that's in, that's truly incredible that someone can work on a fan, completely independently funded site. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, I, I don't think into the books of MuggleNet, but I trust them. And it's still a powerful mover in the space right i feel like there's a lot of fans that have not heard of a lot of our fan inspired initiatives and this is just coming off of LeakyCon, you know i mean they assuming just from the people that haven't heard of our podcast that from the people that haven't heard of these wonderful foundations of the Protego foundation you know there's a lot of people that have heard of the you know the harry potter alliance because they're so out there and they're partners you know with these uh these other big dogs but you know, for for a lot of us, it's you know people are so in, enthusiastic whenever they hear about what we're doing, and you know, for as long as we've been doing it, and they're just as surprised as they you know they can't they can't realize that we've been doing it for X amount of years, and they've never heard of us. So I mean, there's millions of Harry Potter fans throughout the world, but there are uh, there's a fraction of that that have heard of what we actually do out there. I'm absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, um, we, when we were at LeakyCon Dallas, we talked to a lot of people and we were like, Oh, okay, cool. How many times have you been to LeakyCon with this assumption that 
everybody who we, who we are going to talk to this weekend has been to LeakyCon many, many times. And I cannot tell you the number of people who were like, oh, this is my first year. I had never heard of LeakyCon until this year. And I've been a Harry Potter fan my entire life. And that's LeakyCon, a convention, the Harry Potter fan convention that is celebrating or just celebrated its 10th anniversary. Wow. That blew my mind. So, of course, I don't get offended when people are like, oh, the Protego Foundation. I love animals. I want to help them. I love Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. But I've never heard of you guys. Yeah. I'm like, that's totally fine, my dude. Don't even worry. Yeah, no, it's an opportunity. And that's the thing. Like, how many billions of people have read the books, right? I mean, until literally yeah, three years ago, I was not in the fan community. I... I looked up things on darkmark.net when the books were coming out because that was the best. And it was also dark and it was a mark and it was awesome. And it wasn't until I started getting into Harry Potter podcasting that I started to get more into the social fabric, the actual fandom. I don't fandom. I'm not a fan. I'm a, a book content expert. That's what I do. <laughs> it's, that's what I'm here for. And, like every time we would go through the news, it took me a long time to really appreciate the current events. I didn't, I just, it's not me. Well, yeah, and that's go for it. Yeah. You're not a connoisseur of, of that aspect of the fandom and that's okay. But right. it's and something like, that you're every time we would talk to somebody at LeakyCon, like it was my first time there and that just here in Boston. And I hadn't, I mean, I'd maybe heard of it, but, I didn't think about it before 2016, before 2017. So like that doesn't surprise me at all because I've also been an incredible mega fan in my own way. I've been incredibly passionate about it in my own way, but I'm not a fandom person, you know? So I, I very much uh, feel akin to the people that you're kind of referencing there, Tyler. Absolutely. I mean, I, I have made it my life's work and this is going to sound so dumb, but I have made it my life's work twice to learn every facet of the Harry Potter fandom. It, and I've spent my entire life doing that Mm -hmm. ever since I had access to the internet. I have been working nonstop to whether it's wizard rock, whether it's Quidditch, whether it's nonprofit, whether it's the ins and outs of Warner brothers and their deals with JK Rowling and the Blair partnership, publishing everything I have. And I don't know what I'm going to ever do with this knowledge, but I have it right. And I never fault anybody for wasting the amount of time that I have learning all of that. But see, you're putting it to use. You're putting this knowledge, which has transitioned into a, a passion that you have you're putting it to good use, doing great things, helping animals around the world. I mean, you're you're bringing awareness to people that have had none, and I think that's I mean that's awe inspiring in itself. That's I'm fangirling over here. That's I'm getting hot. I'm getting hot flashes. That's oh, that's I, truly a heroic well, but a heroic <laughs> thing you, to do. I yeah, very much. Think about you, Tyler. Every time I order vegetarian Taco Bell, oh. every, every single time I'm like, no, I'm getting hot over here. I would appreciate this. <laughs> Swoon. 
I get go beans instead of chicken. You know what? Mm. I get the same thing every time I order vegetarian Taco Bell. I get the same exact thing. See, you guys, that makes it all worth it. That makes all the drama and everything worth it. You know, if we could just change one Harry Potter fan's mind when it comes to helping animals, then Protego has done its job. That's all I really care about. Is this what being a politician feels like? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> because we're not lying. That's, oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I believe that I'm honest, at least. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, hey, I, I just want to tell the listeners, you know, I know whenever I get on here, I'm always the one who brings up this Warner Brothers drama or is the one that's the, so angry about it a lot of the time. But I still love being a Harry Potter fan. I still... It still means everything to me. Um, and regardless of all the drama that might happen, I still love the people in this fandom and I still love most of the content that we have from it. This is this is why I love what I do. <laughs> this is this is the exact reason why I love what I do. Um, and it's it's not only being here with with you guys, but it's talking about a craft that we love and that we're passionate about and Wow, what a great, great panel. What a great uh, team that we have here at Hogwarts Radio, including everybody behind the scenes and all of our patrons that are listening right now. Um, so we have, we have a couple more things to do before we get out of here for the day. Uh, first and foremost, since we're on the topic of the Protego Foundation, Tyler, do you have any updates for us? Yeah, wow. I, it feels like you know we've been talking for for hours but yeah uh so protego has some really great stuff that is uh, actually in the works we're about to launch our uh first ever thestral focused campaign within the next couple of weeks it's going to be focused on uh horses used to pull carriages and a lot of the abuse and mistreatment that they that they face and we're we're kind of tying that uh message in uh with thestrals a fantastic beast who everybody really really loves and appreciates and you know they're they're one of the magical creatures that has actually been in both harry potter and fantastic beasts very few few. yeah yeah so it's exciting to be like okay even newer fans who are you know just getting into fantastic beasts they'll be able to appreciate the festival. So we're really excited about that. And then of course we're about to launch uh, our own Harry Potter animal rights podcast called the Protego cast. Um, we're already lining up all of our guests for that. And we've got some pretty big hitters pretty early on. So oh, wow. it's going to be a really good time. Oh, I cannot wait to hear that. That's going to be, that's going to be so <laughs> much you, fun. They haven't reached out to me yet. So what, oh, that's so weird. Check your spam folder. No, <laughs> <laughs> let's play a couple of games before we get out of here today um the first is the story game now i'm going to read a line out of one of the harry potter books and our job is to continue it ad lib style so i actually chose da 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 oh Oh, I oh, opened. going to be much easier. Actually. I opened up Harry Potter the and the Cursed, Cursed Child. Child, yeah, yeah. And to be fair, it's the only Harry Potter book that I had near me, so I'm sorry. I I might have Chamber of Secrets somewhere near here, but it's okay. You know, Gretchen once knew every line to Chamber of Secrets the movie. Fun I fact: I can do that with yeah. Philosopher's Stone. I can do That's it with amazing. sound effects with animals. Wow! <laughs> oh, I thought I'd be seeing you here, Professor McGonagall. <laughs> 
<laughs> he said calmly. He said calmly, Gobble right? <laughs> oh, That's my goodness. That's the only line that quote. matters. All right. So quote. I'm going to. And I quote. <laughs> I'm going to read a line out of the book, and our job is to continue it before the buzzer goes off. So I will go... go in a circle? Yeah, I'll go, Luke, you go, and then Tyler, and then it'll circle back to me. Okay, okay good okay. luck, everyone. All right. Teamwork. I think it was a secret, but I could never keep anything from you, Harry. How was it that you've grown handsomer and handsomer as you've aged, and you're taller? <laughs> Well, every time I look in the mirror, ever said, I get more depressed. And people like that. Gee, Winky, I really appreciate everything that you just said about me, said Harry, looking longingly into those big, plated eyes. My name's not Winky, Sats. It's Dolby, Harry Potter, sir. Dolby the house elf. You might remember. You buried me, sir. On the, on the beaches near Shell Cottage. Well, I've never been to the beach, said Harry. But can you fetch me a goddamn sock? See, Harry had been walking around this very wet chamber for decades without a sock on. He had longed for the feeling of fabric against his feet. It was a wonderful feeling, he remembered, as he had once worn an overgrown sock from Dudley's dirty hamper. And there was the one time he remembered hearkening back to a former Christmas, years ago, of having only a single sock from Uncle Vernon. Gee, Hedwig, said Harry, looking over at the rotting corpse of his dead owl. I really wish that I had that sock from all those years ago. He fondly remembered the song he made over that sock. Oh, Christmas sock. Oh, Christmas sock. How lovely did you feel against me? You were too big on my own feet because you were worn on that Dursley's feet. And then Harry realized, oh, I am actually in the Chamber of Secrets. I should close my eyes and or use a mirror shield. Harry walked over to the skeleton of the basilisk, drumming a little bit wondering to himself why he never did get signed to that wizarding uh, record label, Wizbeats. And then it was that Harry had closed his eyes for one last time because the basilisk venom had finally got to him in the last five years of his life were indeed a lie. The end. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the best oh Christmas sock I think we found a title to our episode <laughs> I was yeah. getting worried that we weren't finding one yeah <laughs> oh, they were they were there were plenty we're good we're good yeah okay <laughs> um, all right last game before we get out of here Avada Kedavra Amortentia Imperio it's the Wizarding World's version of Screw, Mary Kill. Now, I'm going to give to Luke. Luke, you give to Tyler. Tyler, you give back to me. Luke, for your three, I'm going to give you a werewolf, a mountain troll, and a mandrake. Are you going to give me their names, at least? I mean, you don't or need names. Or am I just going to be really... Uh... 
Okay. Uh, Judgmental about this. Gabby no. the Mandrake, Tom the Werewolf, and Harry the Mountain Troll. We know like a hundred werewolves. <laughs> you couldn't give me a single werewolf that we know? Uh, <laughs> Roger. So, Roger. Werewolf, Troll, and Mandrake. Yeah, yeah. Oh. This is getting you back for giving me all Barnabas's last oh, episode. Oh, the Barnaby session was great. It, it was good not, for everybody. It is not plural, okay? Barnaby, that is not plural. Barnaby situation <laughs> will go down in history as yeah. a positive thing for everyone involved. What do you have there? I have a bushel of Barnaby. <laughs> I mean, and everyone knows that Barnabas Cuff was the editor-in-chief mm-hmm. at the Daily Prophet. Yeah. One of my um, favorite characters. Right. It's a, it's a good trivia question for the record. Um, a less good trivia question. I'm going to answer your question, Tr- Terrence, but uh, a less good trivia question is how long was the longest Quidditch match ever? It's not a very good trivia question. Ah, I know this. It's debatable. Damn it. And there's no direct answer. I know so, this. Just about. You're exactly right. Mm-hmm. I, or it's, I think it was by Oliver Wood. Uh... If you read Quidditch Through the Ages... There's a different answer. Yeah. Anyway, um, werewolf, troll, and mandrake. mandrake. Well, I don't like what the river trolls did to Bilbo, so I'm going to go ahead and kill them. Okay. Vodka All you have to do is either Lumos or the Sunrise, but yeah, sure. I mean, that'd be easy, but <laughs> what use are they? They're so dumb. Come on, William. Come on, William the troll. Yeah, I know. Bill. You're dumb. Bill the troll. You done goofed. <laughs> you done, done goofed, goofed, Bill. You done goofed. You got beat by Gandalf, <laughs> which is reasonable. Um, let's see. I'm going to Imperio the werewolf because you know what? They're only beasts in their beast form. There are no more humans all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to Imperio them to be themselves when they're not transformed at the, uh, at the full moon. Okay. I can also say that like in book one, or yeah, when, in book one before they go into the forest, and Malfoy's like, "Oh, I heard there's werewolves in the Forbidden Forest." Okay, that's like an issue, a thirtieth of the time ever. <laughs> yeah, and like, yeah. what random mm-hmm. human is just transforming and turning it? Like, is there a full moon? No. Oh, we got a waning gibbous. You're fine. You have no no issues. Like, come on, get, I want your head out of your ass. I want to cut scene to to Malfoy being like, oh, I heard they're werewolves. And then like they look over and it's just some random normal dude just like, hey, hey, yeah. Do you have, <laughs> you have any change? Like, yeah, yeah. They probably they don't have a job, right? Like, hey, can you help us out? You're clearly very rich. Yeah. Um, Hi, Mr. Golden Blonde Hair. You golden. got any popsicles? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, so I guess that means that I'm going to Amortensia, a mandrake, because, you know. They ain't got nobody to love. So I can be that person for him. Don't you need Aww. just somebody to love? Okay, anyway. I like, I like <laughs> you <good> singing. Yeah. <laughs> as long as they don't kill me. Oh, man. Speaking of singing, at LeakyCon, we have got so many plans for our uh, wizard, wizard rock, rock band. Group. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's Stay. been more even since since you oh God. Uh, since we've talked. Jesus. Okay. I got more people involved. <laughs> oh poor so people. Cool. Anyway. Okay. Well I'll be your first fan. We'll dive into that at a later time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All Luke, right. What, do you, what do you got? All right. I, I wasn't fully prepared, so it's not as deep cut, but it's gonna be more wonky and random than you might expect. 
Anton Dahlhoff, Creature, and Ronald Weasley. How random does it get? I swear to God, you kill Creature, you're like the most heartless person ever. <laughs> I'm not putting judgment until he answers. I will judge him harshly afterwards. So I've got Dahlhoff, Creature, and Ron Weasley. Yeah, you sure My do. My God. I mean... I told you, I am the worst. I've got a... Man... Creature. Okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna Avada Kedavra Ron. What is what is the guy gonna do for me? You know, I mean, he's he's nice. He's I yeah I know uh, Ron. Well, I'm listening. Um, I'm going to Imperio Creature for sure. Pretty I, useful. That's yeah, pretty, uh, I, I can I can buy off on. That. I, I mean the the animal rights person in me is like I don't want to use another being, but intentionality goes a long way. Uh, right? Creature, I. The, just think of the good that I could do, you know, with the ability, like with, with a house elf's ability, my God, you know, and plus creature is just one of my favorite characters. So I would always want him by my side, of course, but not in like that creepy Amortentia way. Again, it's like the, the, the intentionality of how and why you're doing it Mm -hmm. go a long way to the controlling somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, you see what I'm getting at. Yeah. I'm smelling what you're stepping in. Yeah, I'm stepping in everything. That's right. You and me both, buddy. Uh, and then, so, of course, I think I would just Amortentia Dolohov. I mean, he uh, yes, he was a Death Eater, but, you know, I have an affinity for the Dark Lord, I, as many people know. Um, and, you know, he did escape uh, from prison, you know, so that that's there's got to be some kind of ingenuity that if like we were together dating, maybe he could teach me how to escape from Azkaban if I needed to get out of tough situations, maybe escape from, you know, bad things. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that like that. So that's, that's who I'm going to, I'm going to go with. I'm a Avada Kedavra Ron. I'm an Imperial creature and I'm going to, I'm Hortensia Delahoff. Plus I like that name Antonin, you know, couldn't have done it better myself. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. Was he the one that escaped three times? Dolhoff? Ah, uh, I can't remember. I know he was a he was like one of those like one off death theaters like uh like Rookwood, Michael Rookwood and stuff like that. Oh, uh, I think he was the one who escaped three times because he got after out. after book five, he was <laughs> at the end of book five and somehow escaped then right uh-huh. and was also released yeah and then he was in the battle of hogwarts before that right he was yeah. released before that and then somehow later on showed up again <laughs> there he is yeah. he's yeah. everybody's like who's that guy and he's just like hey you know <laughs> i just escaped it's no big deal yeah, it's, you know, you serious at this point he's just like walking out you know the dementors are just like all right well we'll see you later Dalahov. <laughs> you know do you need a ride now you're good all right fine no no no, no. We'll get you an Uber. Let's pay. We we, we owe you at this yeah. point. A broomer. A broomer. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, Terrence. Um, let's go with. I completely forgot that we played this game. Okay, I'm a through. I'm gonna choose three people. Let's do Jim McGuffin, Anti Muriel, and there's another rando. Oh, uh, Wilkie Twycross. Oh my god, oh, what my the favorites. <laughs> what the hell? These are people like this is like I mean you couldn't even give me like oh give you Uncle Jim. Who who's Uncle Jim? I remember he's your uncle that gave you like twenty five dollars at a Starbucks card like thirty years ago. Do you remember who Wilkie Twycross is? I have no idea. 
He might. He he. So you're saying that he didn't apparate into your life? You say he wasn't deliberate. <laughs> Deliberation. Wilkie. Determination. Yeah. He he teaches the the apparition, apparition class. Yeah. Wilkie tw- twice. He was so thin it looked like maybe he had faded from existence. He wasn't he'd been sh- apparating so much. <laughs> <laughs> Wilkie Little Tiger. wisp of a guy. I love uh, him. Um, Andy Muriel, you know who that yeah, is? Yeah, I know who Andy Muriel is, of Jim course. Jim McGuffin. Jim McGuffin sounds like a sports announcer for ESPN Wizarding chapter News or something. One. Chapter very, one. Very baby. much chapter one. It is the worthless uh, <laughs> newscaster. Yeah, he's the weatherman. Oh, he's the, the oh, weatherman. Yeah. Oh, he's the, <laughs> he's weatherman. the weatherman. Oh, my God. <laughs> Okay. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so... It's really funny because if I pull a very specific uh, reference that if anyone else in this fandom has this Croft reference with me, please hug me. Um, One of the most talented... This is so weird. uh, Cornhole players in the world, professional cornhole players in the world's name is Jim McGuffin. That is a that thing. That is not a thing. That yeah. Is thing. No ESPN 8, the Ocho, has <laughs> You cannot know that either. You stop it. I, it, that's that's why I'm going to Imperio him, because I need to win all the cornhole tournaments. Right. That is, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know what? And I played cornhole for the first time in years, like a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, oh my god, this little nine year old is beating my ass. And I'm like, oh my goodness, let me let me see what I can do. And I could never get close to the 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 thing. But it's actually, a yeah, pretty tough game. It, it you know kind of is. Yeah, he doesn't know cornhole is also known as bags. Oh, I didn't know that. There's many names. Bags. Bag talk. Yeah, it's like that. You throw a beanbag into a, like a hole, basically. Yeah, on a wood plank. Uh-huh. It's a simple game. People play it. Um, so, yeah, definitely Imperio Jim McGuffin. Um, I'm going to Amortentia um, Antimurial because I love all the juicy <laughs> cheese meh, all the juicy gossip, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, She'll spill the tea. Yeah, exactly. She'll give me all the tea I want. Um, and then I'm going to have to Vada Kedavra uh, the other one. Oh, Wilkie Twycross. Yeah. Wilkie Twycross. I'm sorry, Tycross Wilkie. Uh, I'm definitely sorry. How dare you? Yeah, yeah. It's just—I mean, it's gonna have to—it's gonna have to go down like that. And I'm sorry, Luke. I know. I know you're holding up uh, an axe right now, and uh, <laughs> you know it's—that's just the way it went, my friend. I would have had a very different answer. <laughs> there it is. There it is, and there we have it, folks, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for sticking with us in this. More than two-hour episode of Hogwarts Radio. Wow. Uh, This just goes to show you how reinvigorated we are, how re-energized we are. We are ready to go. We are ready to rock and roll. Fantastic Beast 3 is set to film this spring. We're going to be right here to give it all to you, including the Dragon onesie that Luke is wearing right now. The visual cues are definitely working for the audio podcast. It's... <laughs> so great. Oh my god, he's pulling down the head right now. That is I think that's about it, folks. We are out of time for this week. Apologies to everybody, but we'll be back next week for another episode. Thank you for tuning in. Once again, I'm Terrence Pinkston. I'm Fart Weasley. And I'm Wilkie Twycross. And I am just fed up with you guys. I'll see you guys next week <laughs> for episode 256 of Hogwarts Radio. Bye-bye. 
It's called Zwallop. That was bloody brilliant. Codswallop.